congregation parables have not happened. The Good Samaritan never existed. The prodigal son was not real, was just a figure, something of a pebble. So pebbles have deep meaning, but there are also miracle stories in the Bible. And those miracle stories, they have happened. And they also have a deep meaning, also a symbolic meaning. Let me prove that. Before Lazarus was raised from the dead, he spoke with the Lord Jesus, spoke with his disciples about, I am the resurrection. So when he raised Lazarus, he spoke about himself. When he fed the 5,000, he spoke about the bread of life. Or when he did his first miracle about the vine and at the wedding of Cana, he made sure he explained it that he could make the give the true joy. Now you know what the first miracle is of the Lord Jesus on earth? It was changing the world into wine. The last one is the one we will talk about today. It's a miracle, but also with much deep meaning in there. The verse is John 21, verse 6. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. So far, the miraculous catch of fish. With the help of the Lord's forethought, simple, in the first place, no fish. Secondly, plenty of fish. In the third place, keeping the fish. The net did not break, right? And in the fourth place, eating fish. So the miraculous catch of fish. No fish, plenty of fish, keeping the fish, and eating fish. You know the story. I go fishing, Peter said. He was a natural leader. He had authority. In spite of the fact that he had denied the master, he had still something to say, and they said, we go with him. So six of his fellow men also joined him. So in total, seven of And they went to the ship and launched out and were the whole night on the boat, the whole night casting the net and hauling the net and casting the net and hauling in the heavy net, the heavy net. And they had been toiling 
the entire night. And they were hungry and were tired. So what were they doing there? Was it even the right thing to do? Some say no. Some say it was so wrong of Peter. He was called to be a fisher of men. And he falls back in his old occupation. He should never have done that. He should have stayed on the shore and said, I cannot go in the, on, on the water anymore because I have a different calling, some say. And others say, no, it was good what you did. Because you should not be idle and do, just do nothing. And he was kind of itchy. He was the apostle Peter. After all, he had difficulty sitting still. So he went out and at least did something. And some called for that 1 Timothy 4. And that he studied to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk honestly towards them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. So some say it was wrong. Some say it's good to be busy. And others say he fell down. He was depressed. Let's go fishing. What else can we do? Let's just go back. I'm inclined to believe that Peter was not terribly wrong. Only one thing caught my eye. Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain. But Jesus had appointed them. Where is that mountain? Were they close to the mountain on the lake? Should they have been on the mountain? I'm puzzled. I don't know. But whatever it is, in God's providence, right or wrong, in God's providence, they are fishing. And they cannot catch even one fish. They grew up here. They were fishermen. They were experts. And at night, they cast out the net and haul it, and they can't catch anything. The Lord reigns, right? And it is the Lord behind that. The Lord said, all the fish, stop. Don't go into the net. Because he has control over the hairs of our head and the sparrows on the roof. So the Lord has say over all little things. And the Lord has saved all those individual fish. And they stopped them. They were not allowed to enter into the net. And see someone on the shore. They don't recognize him. They have no idea. They did not know that Jesus was so close. That he cared. That he loved them. That he kind of, you know what I mean, smiled about it. Let them work hard. Let them just go stuck. Let them just go, let them just hit rock bottom. 
in this field that they can't even catch one fish. Oh, the Lord is always close to his church, right? Even when they don't feel it. Just to encourage God's people. They may have the feeling that everything goes wrong. And the Lord is watching it. And they, the Lord is the Lord reigneth. And is in complete church of all things. But even for unconverted ones, boys, girls, happy you're here tonight. The Lord is so close by, you can't believe it. How close is it? That is closer than sitting in the pew next to you. Because I read in the Bible, in Acts 17, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your prophets have said, for we are also his offspring. So the Lord is very close to the disciples, but he was very close to them in a very special way, in a, special, in a loving way. He was their master. He was their king. So again, they are fishing, and they're tired, and hungry, and disappointed, and discouraged, and puzzled. And then there's that question. Children, do you have any, any meat? Anything to eat, children? Children? You don't say that to those disciples, do you? Those big men? That's kind of humiliating. Maybe the Lord Jesus is sarcastic, some say. He treats them like babies. He treats them like toddlers. Hey, children. No, I just cannot believe that. But I also have proof that is not that way. In the epistles of the Apostle John, we often find that address. Children. Because John feels kind of the father of the congregations. It is an endearment term, term. It is a word to express love and care. So the Lord Jesus is speaking in a very caring, loving, not sarcastic, not humiliating way. And the answer is no. We didn't catch anything. We cannot do that. And the Lord was intending to teach them that they could not catch a natural fish, let alone a person, let alone a soul for eternity. They can't. And we like to receive ministers the desire to catch fish, right? Fisherman wants fish. The pastor wants to catch souls, the mental. So we need ministers with that drive, that zeal. Yeah, with that hope, with that urgency, 
that fish need, need, need to be caught. But also we need ministers who feel it so well that they cannot do it. That they're unable to catch even one fish. How important it is. We don't need ministers who can do it. If someone comes to the curatorium and says, I think I will be a good minister. I think I can do that. Or maybe he doesn't say that, but thinks that way. That is not a good sign. Then you're probably not called. And we as ministers must experience that time and again. Zechariah 4. This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. See, by might, by spirit. The first time I was not accepted at the curatorium at the age of 20. I went to church the week after in a neighboring congregation and the chairman of the curatorium preached there and he preached on the text. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. I had such a young zeal and I was so proud. I had to be humbled and broken. So the apostle Peter, Peter also needed to learn that. Therefore the Lord spoke unto him that he had to fish on the right side of the water. So they were fishing on one side, the left side, and he, they needed to, 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 to throw the net a few meters on the other side. What is the difference? What is the matter here? Well, I think this means that we must fish in obedience and God's way. Not our way. The Lord has said in his word, preach the word. Be instant. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and doctrine, and just preach on faithfully according to God's will. Don't change the doctrine. Don't make it different. Don't adjust it. Don't take the sharp edges off. Just preach the way it is. We need to throw the net the Lord's way in obedience on the right side of the ship. But make a long story short, the answer was no. We have nothing. May the Lord give us young men also have run stuck there and say, I can't do it. I have no wisdom, no love, no 
ability to do this in my own power. No fish. Let's go to this second thought. Plenty fish. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Suddenly that net was so heavy, they felt it. What's happening? The net is filling, and the Lord directs all the fish. 153 large fish. Megala echtoi. Megala, big fish. 153 just directed, and they just swim right to the net. Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. Suddenly, for wonder, they didn't catch anything. But there was something in that voice of that man on the shore had authority. They don't know what it was. They don't know it was Jesus. But they felt kind of, you have to do it. And sometimes people feel the power of the word and say, what's happening? I have so much respect for the Bible, for the word of God. It has authority. So because of the authority of the Lord Jesus, they were casting the net on the other side, and now there was an abundance. Let me show you from the Bible what's, what's happening here. John 6. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me dry. as written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught by God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father, cometh to me. That is the irresistible, beautiful, sweet power of the Holy Spirit to bring that fish in the net. They cannot resist that. They don't even want to anymore. Made willing. And that is the hope yeah, that the Lord will use ministers who can not, not, not catch any fish. But that the Lord will use them. And they only throw the net in. And the Lord is saying, and I will let this fish swim me. Same there. Or think of John 10. And when he put forth his own sheep, he go before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. See? That's still happening in church. Under the preaching. The Lord draws people in, they heed their voice of the shepherd, and they follow him, like those Fish. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's the way it is. And that gives hope to young men who feel that they don't qualify. Don't qualify. That the Lord is doing. 
Psalm 36. They shall be abundantly set aside with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. So that abundance is a theme in the preaching of the Lord Jesus. The baskets left over, left over. The water in the was filled up to the brim. And here again, so much fish. Abundantly. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. And when you catch fish, they will die. They cannot survive. They die. When the Lord catches fish, you know what I mean? He gives life. He makes life, he quickens them from the death. The very opposite. Ephesians 3. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that, is, that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask for. So that should be on our mind. Let me pray. Say, Lord, let me have more, more, more ministers. Because thou art able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask. And it's also clear in this miracle. And then John says, It's the Lord. It's the Lord. What else? Who else can it be? It must be the Lord. He's the, he's the first one realizing that the Lord is there. Do you have those moments? You say, it is the Lord. Like with the Apostle Paul's conversion, right? Threatening and killing people and persecuting the church. And the Lord stops him. He receives grace in his heart. It is the Lord. And maybe in your own life. You're never so interested in it. That you did not like the work. You did not like the gospel. And something changes. And your husband and your wife or yourself say, I don't know what's happening. It must be a power of God unto salvation. I'm not doing that. He is doing it. It is the Lord. So wonders are still happening. Drug addicts can yet be saved. Pharisees can yet be stopped. Nicodemus, so self-righteous was drawn by the Lord. It is the Lord. What a lesson in free and sovereign grace. Let's not forget that it's the best of all times you live in. Pardon me. I mean it. 
has never been such a blessed time as the time we live in. Really? What about the time of Abraham and Moses and David and Israel? No, the time after Jesus came. He gives abundance. And there was, this is the foretaste, this, this, this chapter is the foretaste of the first chapters of Acts, of Pentecost. Right? Pentecost. See, see all, those, all those fish? They count them. They used to do that, I guess. They count 153 mega fish. I read in Acts 2, Then they that gladly received his words were baptized. And the same day there added unto them about 3,000 souls. See that is happening here. And Acts 4, Howbeit many of them had heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And Acts 14, And it came to pass in Iconium, they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Gentiles, believed. A great multitude. So we are hoping and praying for a revival that many may come to themselves, that many may begin to repent, that many begin to feel stuck, and many will be brokenhearted. And the Lord can do that. 153 big fish. Some have looked at the number. 153, they have just all, all types of miraculous things in numbers. Crazy things. I think we should not be too surprised. 153, that is just what it was. It was, it was. It's a story. And if you like to know reasons why, I can think of two reasons why it was a number that is mentioned. In the first place, mentioned because it was just a fact. To make sure that you believe this is a story, a history. And secondly, I like it more. It confirms in this small detail that the Lord has an exact number of elect. And he saves them all. All 153. All the them chosen from eternity. All them in the book of life. You save them all. But what the difference, right, between the disciples? John said it is the Lord. And Peter puts his coat on and jumps to the water. What? I thought he takes his coat off before he jumps into the water. No, he put his coat on. He was in his bird clothes. And I think he did not want to appear before the Lord Jesus in his work clothes. He put that balloon or cotton coat on. Must be heavy. 
and have drag, and you don't swim easily with it. You don't wait easily, easily with either. But he did. And he is first to come to the Lord Jesus. What a difference, again, between John and Peter. John finding out first his Lord, and Peter jumping into the water, and John stays in the boat. And they're all God's people. But they're also all different. And that's still the case, right? I am for Apollos. And I am for Paul. And I am for Cephas. And I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified? Or were he baptized in the name of Paul? That is dangerous. If you say, I like Peter better. I like John better. They're all servants of the Lord. And the ministers listen, and elders listen to the, at the curatorium or at the consistory. And they listen to a person explaining his conversion and calling. Then they must realize it's not all exactly the same. The same grace, the same conviction, the same Holy Spirit, but not the same character, not the same personality. There is, it, there is a variety of personalities possible. There is. And that's fine. So let us not be too critical. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says about that. So not only John's, not only Peter's. And it means that also them listening at the curatorium need to understand that all people are also different. We must listen to the work of the Lord and not be too critical. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while while one says I am of Paul and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? And then the Lord Jesus is still on the shore. And he says, bring me of the fish to your car. And they still saw on the shore a fire. It's early in the morning, time for breakfast, you'd say. And there's a fire going already. And there is also fish already. Did he ask for fish? Yeah, but he has providing fish himself. And there's bread. He, he, he invites them. Come and die. Our third thought. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes. A hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many 
Yet was not the net broken. That's interesting, right? Keeping the fish. It's one thing to catch them. It's another thing to keep them. It, ha- it happened often that the, that the nets broke. And then you could lose all the fish, obviously. There was a hole in it. They just emptied it. Anyway. But the net was not broken. There was no leak. And they brought the net slowly to the shore. And took all the big fish out. As I said, 153. Not one of them was lost. Is it possible that someone has been caught by the Lord and then is set free? Is it possible that someone is caught by the net of the gospel, converted, and then the net breaks and he's gone again? Cannot be. When the Lord catches a fish, you know what I mean. The Lord says, that's my fish. I've chosen that person. I love that person. I have grace for that person. I saved that person. And nobody is supposed to touch this person. I will never let them go anymore. The net is not going to break. God's nets are strong. Although sometimes God's people think, I think I'm just losing all my faith. They may be even afraid of that. But it can be. John 6. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That the same may be fulfilled, which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. So the Lord in his Power begins to work and catches the fish and says, Now you're mine. He will not allow Satan to steal them. He will not allow them to come back to their to, 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 to go back to their old ways. If that's happening, then it has never been true. Because the Lord wants his church and makes his church to persevere. You read about this in the Kansas Door, chapter 5, article 14. <clears throat> and as it has pleased God, by the preaching of the gospel, to begin this work of grace in us, so he preserves, he preserves, he continues. He perfects it by the hearing 
and reading of his word by meditation thereon and by the exhortations, threatenings, and promises thereof, as well as by the use of the sacraments. See? So the Lord uses the servants also to maintain the work of grace in the hearts of God's people. Sometimes we say things like, may the servant do the conversion of God's people, sorry, the conversion of the unconverted ones, and the comfort of God's people. But God's children, God's children do not only need comfort. They need to be kept. Otherwise, they will still lose it. And the Lord uses the means to keep them. He uses the Bible. He uses the servants. He uses pastors to keep God's children with it. That they don't lose their salvation. That's one of the great purposes of preaching. They preach to God's people. Not only to feed them, not only to comfort them, not only to instruct them, but to keep them. So as for new pastors, for the conversion of people, and also for the perseverance of the church. <clears throat> no fish, plenty of fish, keeping the fish, and now eating the fish. We see the fire. We see the Lord Jesus. We see the bread. This is early in the morning. And the Lord Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. He does not need it, but he likes to involve it. Like with the young man who had a couple of breads of fishes. And the Lord Jesus break it and multiply so the Lord also is asking them to bring up the fish and I suppose they brought one but they, they also were eating the one that was already there what is so important here they have a meal together right what is that? What does that mean? A meal in the Bible means forgiveness. You don't eat with someone you're at odds with. Having a meal, inviting someone over for a meal means we can be friends. I have forgiven what has happened. It's over. I don't think about it anymore. But close to that, having a meal is fellowship. More than forgiveness, it is closeness. And the Lord Jesus himself desires to be close to his people. And God's children are experiencing that closeness here on the shore of the lake. Fellowship. That closeness is needed for the disciples. 
as the Lord Jesus saying in the Great Commission, preach the word and baptize them, but their soul need to be close to the Lord himself. So when we examine young men as a curatorial, among other things, was he worth him? Is he sometimes with Jesus? Is he close to him? Is there tenderness towards him? Do they walk with him? I thought of Psalm 415. Yea, the secret of Jehovah is with those who fear his name, with his friends in tender mercy. He is covered, well maintained, with a confidence complete. Toward the Lord my eyes are turning. From the net he'll pluck my feet. He will not despise my yearning. So the God of the universe in the Lord Jesus is preparing a meal and is close to his church. Now I hope that the people listening at the consistories and also in the, in the, at, the, at the curatorium, we hope that they all may also know this and may have a close life to the Lord. And may sometimes sit, not per se at the Lord's supper table, but also at the gospel table of the Word. And may, 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 may experience that, that fellowship, that union with the Lord. And of course, the curatorium is also listening for that. Does this person have tenderness in his heart for him? was the last time that he was there. The last time he was so close to the Savior and was at his feet. The God of the universe. Lord Jesus had his own fish. He did not need a fish. He yet provided fish and yet used a fish. Looking back at this first piece of the closing chapter of John, chapter 21, what is it about? What is this, this, this piece about? Is it about the fish? Is it about catching? Is it about keeping them? Or is it mainly about that fellowship at the shore? I think the last thing, the real focal point here is the closeness of Jesus to his disciples. And therefore he will send them out. Because they know something experientially of him. We need students who have been at the table with the Lord. We need people ears that have been at the table with the Lord. Whatever the outcome will be, may the Lord make us willing to follow him as we don't deserve new pastors. Or let us feel that and make us to agree, may the Lord make us to, to, to agree with that. And keep praying for yourself 
retreat for them planning to go to the curatorium, for them who yet have to speak before the consistories, and pray for yourselves now, that we and our children may also in the future have pastors. Pastors who also have a desire to fish, but not in their own strength. Who desire to fish, but also experience that they can do nothing. Like to fish, but also experience that the Lord can fill the nets. But he is doing the work. And pastors who know something of that closeness to the Lord. Pray for them. Maybe to the glory of the Almighty God. Amen.